Hey guys and welcome back to Tea with Mackie. Today we travel across the pond to Australia to talk to the brilliantly minded Dane Walker. He's built a six-figure business in the space of half a year as well as growing his Instagram to over 100,000 followers. Be sure to have your pen and paper at the ready because this episode is filled with gems. So firstly, I guess just tell us who you are really. Yeah, cool, man. Um, yeah, so Dane Walker, I am um, uh, CEO of a company called Victory Front. Uh, we create content, um, branding strategy, branding workshops, um, different academies and, and training platforms. We build websites, logos. Uh, essentially, our, our main objective is to help people who are trying to get a social media and online presence to generate sales on the internet. Uh, we help them facilitate all of that um, everything from the content creation to the branding to the strategy to the structure to the how do we get attention and bring people in so they want to buy our stuff yeah yeah brilliant um so i guess yeah. with with the whole social media branding and stuff how did you get started into that yeah so for me it was uh i was in a job that i didn't like um and uh i was pretty pretty frustrated and the job prior to that I was running their marketing and um, the advertisement for a gym and we were able to <clears throat> get a substantial amount of additional sales revenue for the gym uh, with a team half the size of every other gym from the same franchise leveraging social media so we had a team of three every other gym had a team of five or six uh, and we were doubling their sales because we were using social media to do that so because of that, um, you know, my, I was able to get promoted several times in the company and almost bought my own gym, uh, decided it wasn't the right move, wasn't um, sustainable. And, you know, if COVID had hit and I had that gym now, it'd be pretty ugly. Mm. So I'm glad, yeah, glad I jumped out of that boat. Um, but yeah, so I, I left that place and I ended up going to a telecommunication sales job uh, and uh, yeah, pretty frustrated. Just didn't know what I was going to do. And I went to a Gary Vee event it's like an all day event where you have different speakers back to back and they get up and they do a talk. Um, and the whole day, I think it was Cohen Ray, Grant Cardone, some other people in financial mm. real estate and person off the person was just getting up and doing a sales pitch. And Gary got up at the end and, uh, after like seven hours of people just falling asleep, like people were falling asleep in their chair. It was that boring. Cause it's just, Hey, buy my stuff for yeah. an hour. Um, and then Gary runs out and the first thing he says is like, I'm not here to fucking sell you shit bitches. And everyone gets up on their chairs and like, yeah. Uh, and he won the entire room and there's like 6,000 people in this room. Everyone's got their phones out. Everyone's screaming, going nuts. And, uh, he talks for 10 minutes and then he does Q and a two hours. And with his two and hour, two hour Q and a people got immeasurable value, like in that two hour period than they did in the previous seven hours with like seven different speakers. So he was able to catch people's attention and uh, keep their attention for two hours with everyone leaning on the front of their seat with their phones out because he was talking to people that had real stories, that had real problems um, and having a conversation with them. Something in my head snapped and then I realized that marketing in 2020 is not about buy my shit. It's about let's have a conversation. What's your problem? Hmm. and that was the that was a bold difference between but these other people were like you know they're making multiple millions a month like they're successful um but the they didn't have the room gary just does a q a wins the room and he's as far as i know financially better off than all those other individuals probably by grant cardone who's heavily invested in real estate different story um I realized in that moment, I was like, oh, okay, I see why social media is so big is because it's a conversational platform as opposed to TV and radio, which was just a noise platform of buy our stuff. And that's why people don't care about radio and TV anymore because they want to go on the internet hmm. and solve their own problems in their own way by looking up what they need. I drive home and we're so broke this time that we um, packed little sandwiches in little bags and had little um, protein bars and stuff for the event while everyone's driving around getting yeah. coffee and eating food and stuff so like we were so broke that i was measuring and calculating the amount of miles i could drive in my car uh with the 17 dollars fuel that i had for that day and uh we weren't going to get paid for another couple days um and uh yeah so like that's that's the circumstance we're in we're broke we're 100k in debt we had nothing um you know and i remember driving two hours home from the event praying that my my fuel tank would get us home and uh so we're running on empty for like 40 minutes and the engine didn't love me but you know 
it's okay. Um, and, and, you know, within the short period of a couple of days, I had the revelation that I need to start my own marketing business. Like, yeah. I don't know how to, I don't know what specific moment I decided this, but um, I decided that I would use Ellie's last $54 in her account. Um, and uh, we had the Eat Me Grand kind of go without food that week just so I could start a website and, uh, and I could buy stock images to start creating content. Within a couple of days, I started making $50 posters for friends and gyms, just kind of working through my network, um, which was doing okay. I was making a, you know, a couple hundred bucks a week just like just through just, hey, I can do some graphic work for you. Great, man. We need this stuff. Awesome. Uh, and I would just get referrals because I did good yeah. work. I uh, started making content on social. I was just teaching stuff, just teaching what I knew about sales, teaching what I knew about marketing, just giving it out for free and just doing it every day. Uh, and having conversations with people. And then, yeah, it just slowly started to take off until, um, yeah, fast forward six months. Uh, the page is at like 50,000 followers. Fast forward nine months, it's at 100,000. Um, and now we're at the point where at scale right now where I'm hiring people full-time to come on board to Victory Front, running different operations in different departments. And we're selling, you know, up to $60,000 packages. Um, 10 months ago, I didn't have any money. And it's, it's just a weird transition, how much leverage you can generate on social media if you know what you're doing. Yeah, so um, just to go right back with uh, um, Gary V um, Day, was that late 2019, I guess? Yep. Yeah, so it was in Brisbane, uh, Australia. Uh, mm. in, in uh, Yeah, late 2019, I think it was in, uh, I want to say October. October. I think it was like October. October 7th, 2019, okay. I think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it wasn't really till uh, a little bit after that till I started to actually build the business. And yeah, just it, it, it was just like shit consistency and, and just networking and just I would just get one job after another until it got to the point recently where I, I had to start turning people away. I had to put my prices up yeah. so high that people would just say no. <laughs> um, and then a few people would say yes. And I'd be like, damn it. Like, I don't want to yeah. do another job. Um, and then, then we decided, hey, let's hire some people. And uh, now we've hired those people and trained them. We're like, okay, we need to keep hiring people because there's, there's so many sales coming in. Um, it just goes to show the power of branding and, and social media. Right 100%, now. yeah. Um, I guess, um, again, I, I don't want to keep tailing back to that um, first, the Gary V event, but I'm curious as to like why you did go and what was the motivation because you were in telecommunications at the time. What was the real motivation? Were you looking to start your own business at the time or was it just merely just uh, speculation, see what it's about kind of thing? Yeah, I always, I, I've run my own businesses in the past. So I've always been quite entrepreneurial. I've always yeah. read books about finances and real estate and uh, investing and uh, not so much design stuff. That's That's more recent, but I've always been reading books by like Simon Sinek, you know, Robert Kiyosaki, Tony Robbins. Like I just, I loved learning, um, hated school, but loved learning about interesting things. And uh, a friend of mine actually said, because I was a huge, huge fan of Gary Vee, I would always watch his content and talk about him and tell people about him. Uh, and uh, a friend said, hey, Gary's in Brisbane. You want to calm down? And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, he sent me the link and I bought a ticket. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so I, I forgot about it. Like I booked it and then forgot about it. I think two months go by and it's like, oh, it's this week. Um, and, uh, I forgot to get the day off work. And I said to my boss, I was like, I'm really just, I need to get down to this event. And, uh, luckily he's like, yeah, cool. We can make that work. No problem. Like he was, a, he's a nice guy. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, gave me that day off and, and I went down to the event. Um, but yeah, I had a whole bunch of friends going down. So it kind of was like, well, they're going down I'll go down and hang out with them and we'll sit with them and, and, you know, kind of hang out and have a bit of a fun day together. Um, but yeah, like I said, it wasn't really fun for the first seven hours. It was just sales pitches and like my friends were just like falling asleep <laughs> in their chairs. Um, and uh, even though some of the speakers were pretty rubbish, I was still writing notes. I always like to write notes because I think that you can learn from everyone a lot of times about what not to do. Mm. So like if a speaker was saying something and, and then they lost the audience, I'd be like, oh, when he did this, he lost the audience. And then, oh, when he said this, he seemed to get people looking up, up at him. So I was hyper aware of people's body language, how they speak, the words they use, the pace, the tone, um, all the NLP type stuff. And uh, so for me, it's always been an interest. Even though I was in that telecom job, that was just a job that I just was like, I got to pay the bills. Prior to that was when I was looking at buying a gym. And prior to that, I was uh, I ran an MLM um, team and yeah. recruited over 2,000 people in two years. Um, and that was quite successful. I just didn't like 
I just kind of got bored of MLM. Um, it's the same thing over and over again. You just same sales pitch, same everything every mm. single day. So MLM for my personality was too repetitive. Uh, and I like to, I like to identify and solve problems. So when I felt like I'd conquered that, I just got bored and moved on. Um, I still actually get money from it, interestingly, but it's just not something I'm interested in. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much it, man. I think it's just my DNA. Like I've always wanted to learn this stuff. I've always wanted to absorb knowledge and, and upskill myself. Yeah, 100%. And I, th- I think it's a very good point you make with um, the MLM thing. So you're making money. And I guess um, if you had continued down that route, you'd still probably be making money, wouldn't you? Oh yeah, there's no doubt. Like had I gone down the MLM route, um, I would have made like substantial money. Yeah. Um, they were even looking at putting me in leadership positions in the company mm. and, and all kinds of additional perks that you don't get as a rep, but you get when you create, like when you have a team of 2000 people in a marketplace like Australia where people yeah. pretty much hate MLM, um, they're, they're like, you, you know how to build culture, you know how to develop people, you know how to lead, you know how to speak. You know, I would speak in front of crowds of 2000 people uh, and not even be like, no concern. Like, it just doesn't phase me. Um, and they, they could just see that talent in me and they were trying to push me to do all these leadership things, and which is great because had I not done MLM, I don't think I would have been in the position to do what I'm doing now because it taught me a lot about organization, delegation, coaching, mentorship, recruiting, selling. Like MLM is hard. Like even if you do it, make no money, but just show up, you're going to walk out of that experience like, yeah. like equipped to do business. I suggest that anyone, if you're looking at doing business, just join an MLM just purely to learn and be around those people. Um, even if you don't make any money, don't worry about it. Like just go to the events network uh, and you'll just pick up skills. It's awesome. Mm. And with the public speaking, is that something that you've just um, always been confident with or is it something that you've had to build over time like throughout the years? I had, yeah, I had to develop it like in the beginning. Um, I mean, honestly, it's scarier to talk to five people than it is to talk to 50. Like I could mm. get up in front of a big crowd and it kind of it just becomes a crowd to me. But when you're sitting in a lounge room and there's five people staring at you and you don't know yeah. them, that's that's really intimidating. Um, but I just, I threw, like, because I probably did, like when I was doing that, that MLM, I probably got up in front of, man, north of like 400 lounge rooms. Like I was in 400 people. I was in like three or four houses a day, some days, sometimes six. And I would just drive house to house to house to house to house. People would invite their guests. I get up in front of lounge room. Sometimes it was four people. Sometimes it was nobody showed up. Sometimes it was 60 people. One event I went to had 160 people in a lounge room. That was interesting. Uh, I got photos of it. It's pretty wild. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, my objective was just to, you know, get people excited, um, show them what we we're doing and, and just say, look, if you want to jump in, there's a table over there and come over and we can sign you up and otherwise um, see you later. And uh, um, yeah, so we, I just had a no BS approach to it where I was just kind of like approachable. This is how it is. This is the money we're making. This is how the team's performing. This is the culture we have. Um, yeah, MLM is just, it, it comes back down to human nature. Like if you're a, if you're a shitty person, people aren't going to join your MLM business. If you're annoying, they're not going to want to be around you. If you're, if you're desperate, they're going to run away from you. So like anything in business, if you can become an attractive person, not physically, but like energetically and yeah. charismatically become an attractive person where they want to they want to have coffee with you they want to sit down from you with you they want to learn from you like if you can have that persona where people just want to be around you you can blow up an mlm business uh mm. you can blow up any business like victory front that we built right now when i started up it was volunteers like we had people i didn't have money to pay them but i was like hey like do you want to work with me we could probably build something cool here and uh, we catch up once a week we would build a vision we talk about the mission we talk about the objectives we talk about the steps it would take to make it happen uh and you know some people fell out but like there was a handful that kind of stuck around like we really like this vision man keep going um and uh you know we've been doing this for seven months and in the last like two weeks we've been hiring them all Mm. and the ones that like didn't stick around they're like turning around like oh you hired that person maybe i should have stuck around so like it kind of worked out because the people that stuck around were the ones that bought to the vision um, so I think that human nature, like if you're trying to build something, you don't have to have a lot of money. You just have to know what people want, the vision that's in their heart, um, how to how to help them feel like they're a part of something greater than themselves and uh, legitimately just care about them, look after them and people will follow you. It's just, it's it's the laws of leadership mm-hmm. uh, and it applies to all business. And then, so with Victory Front, when you were first starting, were volunteers 
um, something that was already in your mind or was it something that you realized, oh shit, I can't do this on my own. I, I'm going to need people. Well, I always, yeah, I kind of always knew that. I mean, uh, Grant Cardone says this perfectly. He's like, you know, um, there's no such thing as great people as great teams. Mm. So, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm Grant Cardone. I'm doing this great stuff. But he's like, I wouldn't be here without the 200 salespeople in my team and my 12 administrators and my wife, you know, like, I think if anyone has the ego to sit up and say, yeah, I'm a self-made man. I did this by myself. It's like, no, you're a collective of people you've been in contact with. You've taken bits of information from mentors and individuals and, and combobulated it into to one entity. So when I was building out my team with Victory Front, I naturally just had friends that were in my space. So I started making friends who were designers, who were logo designers, who were web developers, who were copywriters, video editors. I started just, just because I was making content and people found it valuable, people started DMing me like, hey man, do you need help? And I'm like, yeah, I actually do need help. I need a copywriter. And they're like, I'm a copywriter. Great, I need help with articles. I'll write some articles for you, fantastic. I need articles about these things. They'd write articles, I'm like, these are great. Do you wanna upload them to the website? I'm too busy to do that. Yeah, I actually know how to do that too, great. You know, so like Carlos, who's my lead developer now, um, he hit me up and said, hey dude, um, I noticed you don't have any articles on your website. I write articles, do you want help? I like your content. Hell yeah, Carlos, let's go, man. Uh, let's get on a Zoom chat. And then I forgot about it. And then he followed up. And then I forgot about it. Then he followed up. And I was like, all right, this guy seems pretty pretty, pretty keen to work with me. Yeah. So Carlos was the first one. Um, then there's a few people I called. When things started to take off, I just called them. I was like, hey, I'm just kind of building this thing. It's kind of headed somewhere. Um, you know, I know you're a specialist in, in you know, Tyson, who's my, my chief operations officer. He's the one that fronts all our systems and... Uh, looks after our sales and our customers and and he's building out all those platforms and he's doing an amazing job at it um he he was like a friend of mine who who was the boss of my fiance in a previous job and i called him because he let us like stay at his house one time when we like we didn't have anywhere to live i was like dude like this thing's happening like i don't know what's going on but like we're we're, we're growing a pretty fast rapid paced business um, I need someone with your skill set maybe in three to six months. Are you interested? He's like, yeah, keep me in the loop. And I was like, well, we have a weekly team call where we just kind of go over our plans. You want to jump in? He's like, yep. Jumped into weekly team calls and he started just helping people out, coaching them, mentoring them, um, putting together systems and processes for them and stuff like that. And the interesting thing was the team loved him. People, people were like, you're awesome, man, mm. which fed his significance. And he felt like he was doing something wonderful. So then people were feeding off each other and like I would be out of the out of action for a week, you know, let's just say like uh, we went away for holiday and the team would be calling each other and doing stuff and building stuff. And I'd come back and they're like, hey, Dan, we built this Monday platform. We got this happening over here and that's happening. We've got some content. I'm like, wow, you guys are doing this all without me. This is awesome. Like I never felt threatened. I never like yeah. a lot of people get threatened in those situations. Um, but for me, I just, I don't know. I think the way I grew up, I grew up in a, a pretty rough circumstances, like in and out of foster homes didn't really have that stability with the parents and all the rest of it so like i always just had a weird perspective like when people would uh get egotistical or upset or like uh threatened by other people i don't know like from a childhood for whatever reason i just didn't really care about that stuff i always just cared about people's well-being um and if i can you know if i can help someone become better or if i could help someone feel better or if i could help someone become a stronger person um, that made me really excited. So like from, from an early age, I'd never wanted all the attention. I wanted to be around great people. Um, but I think there's something beautiful that can happen when you can get a cool team of people together. They share the same vision they, they become a tribe mm. and, uh, and you just let them be the tribe, you know, just let them do what they love to do. And now that we're hiring them, um, you know, they, they come up with these amazing ideas. They're implementing these amazing systems. Um, Carlos has just blown me away. He's uh, discovered the the power of Monday.com. <laughs> so if you if you're trying to find an automation system, like Monday is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, knows nothing about it. Taught himself in like half a day and built an entire platform for us and is integrating everything. So like these are the types of people that we have, and I know it's hard to envision that. It kind of happened organically just because of the people I put together. Um, and oftentimes when people try to start business, they try to do it all by themselves. And if I was to say the key ingredient is just I cast vision. I'm like, this is where we're going. Do you want to come for a ride? Yeah. That sounds more exciting than my job. Sure. And I'm like, I can't pay you right now. They're like, that's cool. We'll figure it out. You know. So I just I had a way of just attracting these types of people. Um, you just went after it, man. We just we talked about the vision every week. Talked about the plan every week. And and I was relentless. Like, 
I, I've been working 18 hour days for 10 months. Crazy. And I've probably, in that 10 months, I've probably had maybe a week off total. Mm. Um, yeah, like I've probably not more, had more than maybe one day off. And if I have a couple of days off, it's because I'm at a seminar, <laughs> like I'm at a yeah. workshop. Like I'm not, I'm not completely just sitting on the couch. You know, it's like uh, I, I go to like seminars and workshops and I, or I'm sitting in my room studying or I'm reading books. Um, you know, so, you know, I think I'm, I'm definitely in that place in, in, in my manhood where I just want to go all out. You know, I got yeah. a baby on the way, a beautiful Congrats. fiance. And I, I want to, yeah, thanks, man. I just want to set everything <laughs> up. So, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a ramble, but that's, that's pretty much that what's was, going on. No, that was very insightful. And um, I've got a few points I want to draw out. But I guess first, like, do you know how you're saying um, you've taken maybe a week off in total over nearly half a year, nine months? Um, you must have an incredible work ethic and I'm just wondering like where's that stemmed from I know obviously you've had um, a difficult childhood is that something that you've found has stemmed from like growing up or is it something you've just built yeah, up I guess I, um, I would say I have a very high threshold for pain yeah um, my patience level is, is very high mm. um, you know like we had an issue the other day where clients are yelling at me um not that we did anything wrong, but what happened was our, our server crashed on Google Suite. So clients weren't getting contracts, invoices, content. Um, and we have like deadlines and delivery dates. So our servers crashed. And my whole team was expecting me to like lose my, lose my shit. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, what do we do? And everyone's like, um, oh, well, well, we're not sure. And I was like, okay, well, let's troubleshoot this. Have we tried this? Yes, we tried that. Have we tried this? No, yes, we tried that. Have we tried this? Oh, no, we actually haven't tried that. Okay, you get on the phone, you try that. Have we tried this? No, we haven't tried that. Okay, you go ahead and you call Google. You call, Google, you call the uh, the server host uh, and then we'll come back. We'll write notes and we'll see what happens. Within like 45 minutes, we had it back online. Um, and and it was, uh, yeah, after the fact, the team were like, man, we thought you were going to be like blowing mm. up at us. Like, you know what I mean? And I was like, you know, why stew over the problem? Uh, I'm only going to lose half my IQ if I get stressed. I don't know if you know this, but if you if you get stressed, your IQ drops by half. Uh, which, um, yeah. So it's it's. I, I've always been obsessed with high performance. I've always been high performance in the gym, sports, um, high performance in video gaming. Even though that sounds really strange. Uh, whenever I played video games, it was competitively, like you know, Counter Strike competitive. Um, World of Warcraft is quite competitive. I ran a guild on World of Warcraft, um, you know, and we were the first. For any WoW fans out there, I was the first. Um, yeah, but first guild on our server to like to get an achievement. It sounds super nerdy, but anyways, <laughs> whenever whatever I was doing, I was always all out. Yeah. Uh, when I was twelve years old, I played at Habbo Hotel. Um, if you know what that is, it's like this. Uh, it's dude. It's like this. It's so funny, man. If you look it up, just type in Habbo H A B B O yeah. Hotel. It's like a. It's like MSN, but like you're a little character and you walk around a hotel, and you like um and you you know you can like talk to people and trade trade items and stuff i became one of the richest people in that video oh game uh when i was 12 years old because i learned how to manipulate the the game and i built i built like an uh like a, a, a like a guild essentially in the game of like five thousand people mm. and everyone was just giving me all their stuff <laughs> and i was like i was like selling it for real money at 12 years old so like people i built this community in this video game this virtual video game of these other 12 and 13 year old children and uh, I would give them significance in the game within the, the community that I built. And they would just give me their, their items. Uh, and then I would sell the items for real money. So like it's, <laughs> it sounds so messed up, but like <laughs> I, I always, I don't know what it is. My brain always was just like, if I get fixated on something, how much can I get out of it? Hmm. And, I, and I just hone in and I just go after it. So I think, you know, as a child, if I was to think back about my childhood, um, you know, moving from, uh, so my household, like my mother was, uh, violently, uh, abusive when it came to abusing herself violently, uh, with alcoholism and methamphetamines. So she would, uh, she would take drugs and she would drink alcohol and she'd just be, she'd be out of control. Um, so I just remember as like, you know, as like a six year old child, she'd be like, you know, I, 
we'd find ourselves on a, on a train track at two in the morning and she's throwing up and there's a train coming and, and, and she's like trying to find, figure out where our house is. And I don't know where the house is like just so many memories like that. Yeah. And I was always in that situation at the ages of five, six, seven, where I was trying to facilitate and be like, like maybe the house is in this direction. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it sounds so messed up too, but like, uh, you know, there's, there's times where like she, she was so drunk, she driving to a petrol station window in the car and I was in the back seat of the car and uh, almost killed someone like just just crazy stuff so i think as a child i was just exposed to like so much violence and chaos that i just i learned how to be calm no matter what was going on because i naturally like it's a law of the universe to resolve tension right if you're in a conversation and someone's being awkward you naturally want to either quit quit the awkwardness and create some type of connection or get the hell out of that conversation because you naturally don't want to be in that state of like this is anxiety man i don't want to stay here like let's resolve this like let's become friends get along or like i want to get out of here same as if you're uh you know uh you're in a situation of confrontation someone's like confronting you about something you probably you know want to like protect yourself and uh you know and, and get out of that situation fight or flight so for me i think that there was always conflict happening and there was always tension happening when i was a child and naturally i was just trying to find ways to uh to resolve those tensions and as a child shouldn't have to do that weirdly enough it kind of gave me the ability throughout school uh high school and and, you know and careers and jobs i was always just really quick to like minimizing problems minimizing stress trying to trying to bring everyone back down to uh their baseline so they're not like extremely stressed or extremely angry i was really great at just kind of bringing people back to to neutral state um, I read books on psychology and all this type of stuff. So like, I know this, I'm darting all over the place here, but just to give you some, uh, some, some, some glimpses as to maybe why I am the way I am. I don't think many people grow up like that. So I take that into context and say, well, you know, ch- childhood was pretty painful. Uh, and I've been able to heal myself of that and reflect on that. And now I'm grateful. I'm like, I'm, it's, it's almost like a gift. Like I wouldn't have changed any of it. And I think growing up, you know, being 10 years old, other kids would be, uh, you know, complaining, crying, and whinging about stuff. And I'd be like walking around in a neighborhood, uh, knocking on people's doors, asking them if I could wash their cars and make two bucks. Mm. So yeah, it's just, my brain was just always gravitating towards entrepreneurship. It was always gravitating towards solving problems. And essentially solving a problem is entrepreneurship. If you can solve a really important problem that people have uh, and get a reward for it, that's kind of fun. So like, I, I think as a kid, I would do that. Same as when I played RuneScape. Uh, I, I learned how to monetize RuneScape when I was in high school, when I was 14, I would go to the supermarket and I would buy like, um, uh, big packets of like soft drink cans, be like five bucks. You could get like 20 soft drink cans. And then what I would do is I'd refrigerate them and I'd have two school backpacks. And what I would do on lunchtime at school, cause they banned soda machines at my high school. I had backpacks full of soft drink and I walk around, I'd sell cold soft drinks to kids because you couldn't get them from the vending machines anymore. Mm. But kids still wanted to drink soft yeah. drink. I'd sell them two bucks a pop. So I'd turn five bucks into 50 bucks on a lunch break. Uh, and then I would use that money to like, you know, catch a train to another city and go hang out with some friends or whatever. So like, I was always just trying to find these weird ways to like exploit and make money. And, uh, uh, you know, that, that just kind of came natural to me. That's That's all I can say. Yeah. And I guess, um, yeah, just going back to that point I made about how um, your work ethics must have stemmed from your past experiences and growing up, I guess, um, how you talked about patience and being very patient. And then you talk about um, the sort of scenarios you were in as a kid. That's something that really must have um, built that, I guess, tolerance up um, to dealing with difficult situations. And um, I just want to stem that back to when you started... um, you know, you left your job and you start something that's completely, you're self-employed, it's, it's freelance work, you know, you're doing social media marketing. There must have been a lot of pressure there. How did you deal with that? And also, because you grew so fast, how were you able to, I guess, scale so effectively? Good question. Um, yeah, so when, when I first started, so my schedule at the time when I started posting content, I guess, was uh, I'd wake up at 5 a.m., I'd drive 20 minutes to the gym, I'd train from, five, uh, from 5.20 till about maybe like, uh, to maybe like 7, and then I would, or maybe to like, no, quarter to 7, and then I would get home 
at five past seven. I'd make breakfast, wake my girlfriend up, make her coffee, put her in the car, get ready for work, drive to work. She would be dropped off at eight and then she would go to work and then I would drive from her work to my work, go to my work, start my job at 8.30, do a half an hour meeting, work for eight hours, uh, oftentimes without a lunch break, which was unethical, but you know. <laughs> then I would, uh, I would drive back to the gym I would train for another 45 minutes and then uh, we would drive home. And then as soon as I get home, I would turn the computer on. Uh, I quickly whip up dinner with the girlfriend, check on the dog, and then spend maybe half an hour, an hour with her. And then I would be on the computer until one or two in the morning and I'd do it all over again. So I was often living on like four hours sleep and it was hard, dude. Like it's not fun doing all that, mm. coming home, spending only a half an hour or an hour with your partner and then getting on the computer and making content for free on an account that's not generating money with the hopes that it might end up being something. So like, here's the thing. I was posting content at the beginning because I was like, I know this is going to get somewhere if I just beat this to death. Like, I'm going to figure this thing out. I'm going to sit in this chair for six hours and I'm going to teach myself everything I can about this platform. I'm going to make the best possible content and stories I can for this platform. And I'm going to figure this thing out. I'm going to communicate. I'm going to network and I'm going to connect with people. And, uh, you know, and, and, and every time I would get some positive response, I would be like, okay, review what just happened. Like, why did I get results? So the tactic I would use was guess, test, and, and uh, so guess, test, uh, review, repeat. So I would be like, let's guess, like what's gonna work this week? Okay, well, I'm guessing that if we talk about these trends that are kind of happening in this type of content and this type of topic and whatever, let's give it a go. Cause if you throw enough butt at the wall, something will stick. So I would just guess, I'd make content, um, you know, and then I started making content for clients. So you, that, that six hours turned from six hours invested into my platform to three hours invested in my platform, three hours invested into making stuff for a client. Uh, then it got, the window got down to like, I have 45 minutes to do my content and then I got five hours of content tonight for clients. So when it got to that point, I was making, uh, I think my job at the time, I think it was about 3,200 a, a month for my job. Uh, I was making that in a week for content design. And at that point I was like, all right, I got to quit my job. So mm. like that, that moment to answer your question, that was a stressful fucking moment because it's like, here's this secure, stable job that I've had for, you know, eight, nine months. And here's this business that I've been tinkering with for a couple weeks. Um, you know, I think it was like six weeks or seven weeks. And I was like, you know, let's go. Let's just let, let's just go all in. The problem was I had $100,000 debt. And if I ever had a week that was lower in the red, that would mean that we would be missing out on payments. And that would mean the debt collectors were going to hound us. And that was a scary scenario. So I had fear. If I didn't make this work, that was the punishment. So I think to look at that, that was quite motivating. Yeah. Tony Robbins talks about there's two types of motivation. You're either motivated towards pleasure or away from pain. And I had a lot of away from pain and a little bit of pleasure because some money was coming in, but I had a lot of away from pain. I was like, cool, if I can't make ends meet this week, um, we ain't eating, we ain't paying mm. rent. You know, that's <laughs> that's kind of scary. So I, I sat down with my, my, my now fiance, Ellie, and I was like, Ellie, like, you're not going to see me for the next year. Like, I'm, I am going all in. Like, I am going to blow this thing wide out. And she's like, okay, I got you back. Like, what do you need from me? And I was like, I just need you to support me. That's it. I just, I just want your support. I just want you to know that I love you. I want you to know that this is all good. And uh, the reason I'm doing this is because I want to get rid of our 100K debt. I want to be able to move cities and I want to be able to give you the ability that you can have a baby. So in the last 10 months, move cities, paid off 100K debt, had a baby. Baby's here in two weeks. So the fear was there and then the the motivation to be the pleasure was like well i get to do this for my fiance she's gonna be really happy if i can do this for her so i had both ends on like full volume <laughs> like i had both ends like all the way up yeah so like if i had a bad day i was like just think about the good things that are gonna happen if i had a good day i'm like don't forget like the bad things that could happen if you if you get comfortable here so i never got comfortable i always kept the fear turned way up in a good way i call it the dark side because i think I think too many people try to live in the fluffy good side all the time, which is great. Uh, it's motivating and it feels fun, but like you have to get down to earth sometimes and be like, man, if I don't get my shit together, you know, I can end up over here in this situation. And then when COVID hit, 
I, man, my fear like went through the roof, dude. I was like, oh my God, all my clients are going to start ringing me and canceling. How am I going to make this work? I don't have a job. Well, I, if I had a job anyways, I'd lose that anyways. So, like, what do we do, right? So then all these people were freaking out. I didn't lose one client, not one. Every single one of my clients doubled down. Every single one of my clients said, how can we post more? And I was like, you have money to post more? And they're like, we don't know. Let's just go. We don't want to mess out. Like, we don't have any time for our jobs anymore. We're going all in on the social media thing. Let's go. So I had clients that were investing $4,000 a month with me who were shit scared that they were like, wasting their money. And then two weeks in, they make a $40,000 sale and they're like, mm. let's renew. You know, so the content I was making for my clients was generating revenue, genuinely, genuinely generating money for them. So I learned very quickly. I'm like, hang on a second. Like I can help people make money. Like I'm making content great, but I'm actually helping them make money. Like this is great. Then I know naturally I have a lot of talent when it comes to how to make sales, how to make money, how to market. Like this was all natural things that I had been learning for the past decade. So I didn't have any qualifications, never went to uni, never did a course on branding, never did a course on marketing, but intuitively kind of knew how to do it. And I broke it down into a very simple system. It's like, okay, identify why you exist. Why should people care? Um, how can you get in front of them? Where do they exist and what do they want to see? And when I started creating the content, I was just thinking about that. I took that same model. And if someone came to me and said, hey, we want to, you know, we want to sell, four, like one of my clients sells four wheel drives. They customize four wheel drives. And like, what do we do? I would put together a business plan for them. Another client comes to me, hey, I'm a real estate mortgage broker. I make $4.8 million a year. I have seven staff. We want to do a content social media plan. What should we do? I'm like, okay, cool. Let's try this. Their page blows up. So, and then I would go over here to a PT. I've worked with PTs. I've worked with celebrity managers. I've worked with musicians. I've worked with um, like rappers. I've worked with um, people, other people that run social media agencies of different formats. Uh, I've worked with coaches. I've worked with retail stores, supplement companies, storefronts. Like we're working with brands now. So it just evolved into people coming to me for social media I start selling in business strategy because that, that was their real problem. Because oftentimes people are like, I need good content. I'm like, well, hang on a second. What's your business plan? I don't know. What's your brand? I don't know. Let's get that nailed. This is the package for that. Great. Let's do that. Nail that out. Put together that plan for them. And then I'm like, cool. Step two is that then we go take it to the marketplace. And I would just do for them what I did for me. And you know, not only was I able to build this huge company victory front, but now I'm personally involved with at least 36 other companies that are getting success from our content and it all became crystal clear to me that no one's really doing this mm. there are people doing it but not in the weird way that i am um so now we're just going all in we're reinvesting hundreds of thousands of dollars back into the business because we're like okay if we just reinvest every dollar we have right now from our war chest even though COVID's going on we're just going all in um we are at a point now where we're still turning, we have a team now and we're turning rate clients. We're not running ads, right? We're running no ads. We know, we've run ads for clients. They work for the clients. We run no ads because if we run ads, we wouldn't be able to look after those, the, the leads coming in. Yeah. I know that next week when I turn on my new CRM on my new website, as soon as I turn that on, there's going to be 100,000 people at least that are going to put their details and name into that CRM. So... I'm not trying to impress upon you. I'm just trying to point out that if you're listening to this, social media is powerful shit. Like if <laughs> I, like I'm not smarter than most people. I just, I will work. I will outwork anyone I come in contact with. I will work my ass off. That's all it is. I'm just going to beat myself into learning what I need to learn to make it happen. And that's it. You don't have to be ultra smart. You don't have to have a degree. You don't need, you don't need to go to university. You don't have to have any of these external validations to do what you want to do you just have to get get started stop giving a shit what people think and just make it happen but the point i'm trying to get to is how do we do this brand branding got us to this point and what branding is is creating something so attractive that you don't have to chase people around and sell it to them they come to you you have a conversation you build a reputation and then whenever and whenever anyone has a problem they just point hey go talk to that guy if you could put your business in that position you could dramatically flip what's happening right now with COVID. And there's not enough people doing that. And that's why we're on a mission to try and help people with that as, as, as fast as we can. Brilliant. Um, that was really good. Um, I had a couple of questions that I've just completely gone, but you've, you spoke very well there. And um, 
I guess uh, the way the point that I really took was the fact that you're very um, self-taught. So you know everything. Uh, you didn't go to university. You've not got those kind of um, typical um, certificates and uh, education certificates. But you know, it's you funny because really, I've had I got yeah. clients that have marketing degrees. Yeah. <laughs> what was the reason that you didn't go down that route and you decided um, kind of That's against poor. that? Bald. No money. <laughs> No, no, poor. Like I, oh, had, poor. I had no money. So like there was times where I was like, man, I should probably go to university. I'm like, I got no money. Because mm. I was always in a position where I had to have a full-time job to pay bills, to pay off. Like, man, when I was like 21, I got in a lot of debt. And uh, um, yeah, I always was always playing catch up. And you get in this ugly, so many people are in this situation where they're in debt and they can't go part-time. They have to stay full-time um, to pay off their lifestyle. And I just made some stupid decisions when I was young. Uh, which I fixed, thank thank goodness. Um, but I made some stupid decisions when I was young that, that got me in a bad way that, that I was constantly playing catch up. I'll, I'll get out of debt next year. I'll get out of debt next year. I'll get out of debt next year. And you, as soon as you stop, then the bills pile in. Hmm. Um, yeah, so like there's too many people in that situation. And for me, it was hard to go do a degree when, when I was in that predicament. Hmm. So um, were you reading a lot? Were you watching YouTube videos? How um, How do you best learn, I guess? Uh, I love reading. Um, uh, I got I got quite a large book collection. This yeah. isn't everything. This is like a quarter of it. Um, I love reading. And a lot of people I talk to, I'm like, how many books have you read this week? And they're like, none. I'm like, this year, oh, like two pages. I'm like, start reading. Um, you know, find books from people. Like, here's the thing. If you could learn 30 years of someone's experience in five hours, would that be worth your time? Mm. Right? Usually that's what people put in their books is like their best knowledge from two or three decades of, of expertise into these books. So every book I read, I'm trying to find a million bucks. I'm trying to find 30 years of experience. Like psychologically, when I open a book, I'm like, I wanna absorb this person's experience. I wanna know mistakes they made, what they did about those mistakes, how they learned from those mistakes, how they grew through those mistakes. You know, I wanna, I'm trying to identify and live inside this person's head temporarily while I'm reading this book. Mm. Um, books are a great way to do that. I personally believe, and the science backs this up, that we, we consume video and music and media all the time. But how often do we just sit there, stop, open mm. a book and start reading? The brain absorbs knowledge from a book dramatically different to the way you would absorb information from video. Video is very visual. It's very stimulating for your, for your, for your eyes and for your mind. When you're reading a book, you're forced to create these characters in your head. You're forced to... Um, imagine these scenarios. You're forced to use your imagination and, and different cognitions in your brain to absorb what you're trying to learn because you're not just reading words on a page. You're trying to absorb it and create it and illustrate it in your mind. And I think that your brain learns really, really, really rapidly when you do that because if you're watching a video, it's like it's yeah. doing the work for your brain. But when you read a book, your brain is online. Like you mm. are absorbing information. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, growing up, uh, I hated reading cause I hated school. So then school associated to reading and then I was like, I hate yeah. school. So therefore I hate reading. But, uh, you know, I had a friend when I was, uh, when I was 19, um, you know, I just met this individual. We we're sitting in the back of a friend's car together. That friend was driving him to his house. We were chatting about business and he's like, I got something for you. He ran inside filled a uh, plastic bag up full of books and gave me like all his books. He's like, you need to start reading. And I was like, you know what? Okay. So I got home and the first book I ever read when I was 19 was, uh, was Cashflow Quadrant by Robert Kiyosaki. And just talks about the, the laws of money. There's four different quadrants. You've got the poor side, which is you're, in the, you're an employee or you're self-employed. Right now I'm self-employed. So I'm not in the rich quadrant, mm. right? So if I, stop, if I just disappeared tomorrow, the whole the victory front would collapse. Um, and the rich side is like investments and big business. Big business is like, you know, if I went away for three months, like things would just continue as per usual because there's people running the company. Uh, so the whole thesis of the book was like, you need to get from the poor quadrant to the rich quadrant. How do you do that? You either invest or you build a big company. That's it. Um, you know, we have all those stupid books about like the four hour work week. You know, you may as well burn that book. It's just useless. Man, someone needs to write the 120 hour work week because that book would be valuable. And Here's the thing, you can't like, what can you achieve in four hours? Like, really? Um, I'm sure there's nuggets in there, but I think so many people get fixated on like, oh, I want to go build a business and sit on a beach. Like, why? Like, mm. what are you going to do on the beach 
for 12 hours of that day. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why wouldn't you want to be around amazing people getting fired up, doing business and doing something fun? That's how my head works. Yeah. So it serves me. So I think that, you know, uh, if, if you're looking at doing business and, and you're looking at like ways to make it happen and, and have that motivation, it's just, yeah, you got to read books. Um, I go to workshops and seminars. So like if you, any seminar you can get your hands on, even if it looks crap, like go to the crap ones and, and force yourself to observe their body language, how they speak, um, you know, try to meet some people. Like I would force myself to go to any seminar I could, even the, just the ones that were terrible. And I would force myself to try and learn something from it. Because mm. what happens is if you're constantly around people that are trying to better themselves, that are trying to speak, they're trying to share knowledge, trying to share information, your brain just starts to pick stuff up from all over the place and it just mashes it together. Yeah. Um, so I think if you're always around networking groups, it's hard right now with COVID. Um, so the, there's tons of online workshops that you can go to, free ones. Um, you know, just go onto Reddit and type in free business workshops and there's like thousands of them you can go to. Um, you know, so just that that's how I learned. But right now it's I'm reading very specific books on branding, like branding, marketing and, and sales and funnels. Um, and that's, that's given me a lot of context and, uh, deep knowledge on, on what I'm trying to offer my clients. Cause I don't want to sell anything that I don't understand and I can't deliver on. Yeah. Do you, do you, um, read a lot of like, um, how you said like specific, so you'll read like, um, maybe a graphics design kind of book or a book on like fonts, something very like, um, specific and I guess you can implement right away or have you ever, um, read something that's a lot more generic like a self-help kind of have you heard of vex king by any chance no i'll okay, check so it he's, out though. he's like send um, me a link I'll, I'll check it out yeah he's um you can type him in on instagram he's got like um uh inspirational messages and things like that but his book is predominantly in that same format and a lot of people like that but i guess me personally i don't um have a big uh leaning towards self-help books because i feel like if you're motivated enough to read, then surely you should read something that you can implement. Do you know what I mean? So what's your opinions on that just very quickly? Yeah, I, I like to read broad and deep. I think that, um, I mean, I break the rules of reading books. I think sometimes people will read a book front cover to back cover. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll chop and change. I don't care. Like I'll, I'll, I'll open a book and I'll read like three chapters and write in the book and write notes and highlight yeah. stuff. And I'll put that book back and then I'll pick up something else and I'll read through that. So like I always end up reading everything of every book, but I'll just chop and change. Mm. And something that interesting that happens when you start mashing books together that kind of don't belong. Like if you read like deep philosophy books from like Greek scholars in the morning and then try to go to work and not think about that. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you wake up in the morning and just spend 20 minutes reading like philosophy and then you go to work, you just like everything just kind of looks <laughs> yeah. different, you know, like your head's in a bit of a spin out. Then on your lunch break, you just like read a biography by like Arnold Schwarzenegger and like what he did in his heyday. You're like, man, you really went through some stuff. This is kind of interesting. And at nighttime, you read another book about like practical business pragmatic tactics about like grid systems and, and design layouts. And it's just a completely different thing. So like, I think if you just constantly just try to find things that you're interested in, um, I think a lot of people stop reading because they feel like they have to read cover to cover. Just like mm. pick up a book and read 10 pages. Yeah. Like just get some knowledge in your day. Um, you know, don't make it this big thing. Just make baby steps. Hey, can I read three pages of a book today? Probably guarantee anyone could do that. Um, but yeah, so personal books that I like reading, like I really enjoy, um, right now it's like, it's almost like tactical, uh, like really boring stuff, like tactical step-by-step, -step, uh, implementation tools for like branding, for marketing, for like design layouts and grids and stuff like that. Like real, like practical, um, how to applicational type stuff. Um, that's, that's where I am right now. That's my season. I guess I'm in right now. Preseason to this was like biographies. I was like going nuts on biographies. Yeah. Uh, and before that was like just the big hits, like, you know, think and grow rich, uh, the 10 X rule will be obsessed. Oh, I'm, with listening. I'm, I'm reading think and grow rich. It's, it's a great me a book, while. <laughs> I've it's read, a, um, yeah, yeah. I've read like the first three chapters. It's really good. But I think, um, initially at the start of the book, it says something like, um, if you read the first chapter, you'll get everything and if you don't continue reading or something like that i don't know but um yeah i <laughs> just wanted to point that out yeah man it's it's a good book and, and it's one of those books you you like revisit every six months and it'll yeah. be like i didn't read this book before like what is like is this a different book did they rewrite it like it's 
it's a really intense book and it has each chapter is just jam-packed with analogies mm-hmm. um books like that that have parables and analogies like that and metaphors they're the best types of books to read because they stay in your head like you can forget yeah. facts pretty quick but you will remember a metaphor like i remember metaphors i was told when i was four like metaphors for whatever reason the brain can just hold on to them mm. for a long time so if you can read books like think and grow rich uh the seven uh highly effective habits of effective people whatever that yeah. book's called uh how to win friends and influence people that's another good book the richest man in babylon that's another one um you know these metaphorical books are really powerful have you read the um the alchemist no you should it's really good it's, it's on the same lines of like a metaphorical um point um okay i guess um because we are running thin on time i did want to ask very quickly it is quite a deep question but i guess um we'll try and cover it in like the space of two minutes um yeah but, man. Oh, good bro <laughs> um it was it was about the way you networked so you're talking about how you know you found um these amazing people that were like graphic designers you found copywriters you knew people you knew um uh, as soon as you started building your brand people were approaching you and um even as a kid you were talking about um playing games and networking in that aspect and talking about going to workshops how important has networking been to you and how have you been able to um grow the confidence to i guess um network effectively and efficiently yeah i think uh i think like when it comes to networking um uh you know that that classic generic your network is your net worth so true like it is such a true statement um there's a i can't remember who it is this is famous story i wish i could i wish i could deliver this like eloquently it's it's such a good story i'll do my best there was a guy in uh somewhere in in arkansas in the u.s somewhere who was just a business guy just a normal business guy he ran like uh i think like a like just a like a like a plumbing like store or like just something really generic and he had this uh rolodex and every single time he would meet someone he would say hey do you mind if i take your business card i want to put you in my rolodex and i want to send you business and people like yeah dude send me business here's my business card and he would add it to he had uh, i think like I think he had 36,000 cards in his Rolodex. And what happened was anytime he was networking or connecting with people, he's like, hang on, let me go to my Rolodex. He'd flick through his Rolodex and be like, yeah, you need to call this guy. You need to call this girl. And he would refer business like all the time. Hmm. And he started to get really successful in his industry. Like I think he became a multimillionaire. He's doing very well for himself. And um, the reason he did this was because when he... um, when he started his, uh, his business as a child, his dad said, always get business cards and always refer those people business and they will never forget you. So he just took this like legit, like took it to yeah. heart. was like, I'm doing this for life, you know? Anyways, this guy collects like almost 40,000 um, business cards back in business cards worth thing. And he was referring people all the time to all the different types of people to the point where people started ringing him and say, hey man, do you know someone that would be great at this? He's like, yeah, hang on a second. Yeah, call this number. You know what I mean? So he just became this middleman in this network. When this guy died, 48,000 people went to his funeral. Really? Not famous, but he had a lot of friends. <laughs> and he made friends with everyone and, and, and everyone, anyone he possibly could. And he would work his ass off to try and give business back to people and help people out that he liked. The, the metaphor of that story is like, don't underestimate a network. You don't have mm. to be famous to have a good network. Uh, when I was in network marketing, I said to people, when you join network marketing and you want to go build this business or even any business, if, if you're going to build any business and succeed at it, you have to understand that if you've been a shitty person to your network, you're going to have a hard time building any business. 100%, like any yeah. business. If you've been, a, if you've been a, a terrible friend, if you've been unreliable, if you've been uh, dishonest, if you've been disrespectful, if you've been selfish, if you've been repulsive and, and, and needy, then guess what? When you start a business, no one's going to be there to help you out. No one. Like you're on your own. You're on a hard slog. Mm. And if that's you and if you're having that revelation right now, you know, good. You get to learn that lesson and do it the hard way. <laughs> um, so for me, I was always like from a young age, I was always trying to network, make friends, even if people were disrespectful to me and, and uh, you know, dismissive or whatever. I would, I would never let them know that I was frustrated or that pissed me off. And I'd be like, yeah, cool. Like I just kept it cool with everyone. 
And, uh, you know, so as soon as I started building a business and reconnected with people, um, you know, people were like, yeah, man, I'm happy to hear about that. Cause I had that connection. I had that relationship where yeah. I had been reliable. I had been, uh, respectful and I would check in on them time to time. And, and I think that, you know, if you're trying to build a business, if you're trying to succeed, people don't understand how powerful your network is. So if you're trying to build a business right now and build it from nothing and from scratch, I challenge you to do this and 99% of you will say, yeah, it's a good idea, but you won't do it. And I've, I've statistically tested this with large crowds of people. And the people that did go and do this started making a lot of money. Hmm. The idea is, and there's a way you can do this. If you go into Google right now and type in how to export contacts from Facebook, there's a way you can download the CCV file for all your Facebook contacts and you can put it into an Excel spreadsheet. We used to do this in MLM. Uh, I, I, I came up with this, by the way. Like, I don't know really? if anyone else discovered how to do this, but I came up with this, with this process. I got the idea from Grant Cardone's book about creating a power base. So if you listen to the book, Sell or Be Sold, he talks about how to create a power base through networking. Uh, and if you want to get that book, get the audio version, Sell or Be Sold by Grant Cardone. Just go to audible.com, set up an account, you get the book for free, just download it, it's great. Um, but I would take that, I took it literally, I went to my Facebook and I printed out a CCV file of all my contacts, put them into an Excel spreadsheet, started printing it out, it was that thick. It was like, uh, I think I had 3000 friends and it was this thick, dude. And what I would do every day when I was doing MLM, I was like, I'm gonna fill out five pages of these, I'm gonna reach out to five pages of these people. So I would DM and I would highlight and write notes for all these people and I would do this for like two or three hours every day. I'd make 200 phone calls a day um, and you can actually export phone numbers into this document as well. So I literally would like highlight ring hmm. and I would say stuff like, Hey man, I know you, um, uh, I know we haven't talked in five years, bro, but how you been? Yeah, I'm really good, man. Hey dude, I know this is kind of weird. Uh, I just took your number off Facebook and, uh, I'm actually selfish. You're just trying to build a business right now, man. This is what I'm doing. Like, I don't know if this is something that interests you, but man, I'm just trying to do whatever I can. Do you hmm. know anyone that might be interested in these products or services? Not click. You know, not eight or nine times out of 10, they're like, get bent. But that one out of 10, they'll be like, yeah, you know what? Like, I kind of need help with that. So what, like 200 phone calls can get you 20 clients and mm. that takes you two hours and people don't do that. That's not fun to do. People are like, I want to do the four hour work week thing. Well, it doesn't really work. Yeah. What does work is getting on the phones, knocking on doors, getting in front of people and generating that network. And again, if you have a shitty network, guess what's gonna happen when you ring those people? They're not gonna wanna talk to you. Hmm. Um, the other thing I did was I would text them, hey, this is how random, this is Dane here. I'm just starting a, uh, an agency about you know how to do graphic design. Do you need graphic design or know anyone that needs graphic design? I was getting a lot of replies. Yeah, dude, my friend Sarah needs a logo for her business. Like people like were texting me back and they don't even remember who I am. And they're like, here's Sarah's number, you know what I mean? Like people just giving out private security stuff. Um, but that's how I started, you know, making some side cash when I was trying to get this thing off the ground. It's ugly, it's not fun. Um, but if you're desperate and you're trying to figure out how to make money, um, you know, if you can provide a product or a service, you know, whatever that is, man, pick up the phone and start ringing people. I know it's weird, yeah. I know it's uncomfortable, you're gonna hate it. You might make some money. 100%. Um, I guess with, um, we'll end it with one more question and it's a scenario-based question. So you're at a dinner party you're hosting the dinner party and you're allowed to invite three people, dead or alive, who are you picking? Albert Einstein. Okay. Um, it's a good question, dude. It is. <laughs> yeah, Albert Einstein. Or, no, I would pick Nikola Tesla. Okay. Instead of Albert. Love Albert. I'd pick Nikola Tesla. Jim Rohn. Okay. And uh, who else would I? Who else would I want to spend some time with? Dude, Bruce Lee. Dread Bruce up. Lee, brilliant. Yeah, um, Bruce Lee. <laughs> this is that's a weird mix, dude. Jim Rohn, Bruce yeah, Lee. Yeah, no, that is weird. And Nikola Tesla, man, that'd be a fun dinner party, dude. Yeah. How? Um, why? Why are you picking Tesla over Einstein? Uh, I have a lot of questions. Okay. Einstein had all these theories out in the open. Nikola had a lot of stuff he didn't show. Okay. Um. Nicola, the Wardenclyffe Tower, and uh, what, dude, Tesla was onto some stuff. I know we went cuckoo in his old age, but he was mm. onto something. Dude, back, like he he was working on electric cars back then. Yeah. 
like back then dude mm. like what was that 19 what 1928 uh, or whatever it was yeah early, early 20th century yeah dude 20th century he was designing electric cars that worked he was transmitting electricity through the air yeah and they're saying we can't do that now i'm like dude i got questions for that guy you know what i mean like i want to i want answers i want to know what he was up to i want to i just want to understand how he thought and i think that there's people that smart that exist today but they're just labeled as crazy i think he mm. was lucky to be uh in the era he was i think those are three excellent choices um it's crazy because i had um a whole script of 13 questions i've probably asked about maybe three of them um, and man, I think we can we can we can fire through the rest, man. I can give like no, nah, no. Nah, I think I think that's a mark of um, a really good uh, <laughs> podcast, okay. and I, th- I think um, probably a brilliant time to end it. Um, it was really good having you on. You were very detailed, and um, I've learned Thank a you lot. For having me, man. Yeah, no, hundred percent. Um, have you got anything that you want to add or promote? Uh, if you want to connect and have a conversation, I'd love to have a conversation with you. Um, just reach out to me at Dame Walker. Uh, on Instagram. We'd love to chat. Brilliant. Awesome. Um, Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, man.